Good evening and welcome to PowerPoint Tuesday. I am Reverend Jeremiah Birkin, pastor of Redeem Chapel CME Church, where we are physically located at 14513 South Post Oak Road in Houston, Texas, 77045. Uh, we want to remind you that we worship weekly at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time for our weekly worship service. Uh, and if you can't, if you're not in the Houston area and you can't fellowship with us in person on Sunday. You can also fellowship with us online uh, via Facebook and YouTube at Pastor Jeremiah B, at Pastor Jeremiah B. And you are certainly welcome to worship with us every week at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. You're also welcome to join us every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for PowerPoint Tuesday, where we study in depth the scriptures uh, as we will do tonight. So uh, we're excited that you decided to join with us. And if you enjoy Sunday worship in person or online, or if you enjoy PowerPoint Tuesday, you're certainly welcome to follow us on all social media so that you are able to stay up to date on everything that we're doing uh, here at Redeem Chapel. And we certainly hope that you do. In addition to our weekly worship services and Bible study, uh, the October calendar is pretty full in terms of uh, preaching opportunities, and we hope that you can join us and support us. We just had an opportunity to fellowship with Kingdom Outreach Ministries for their Back to School Revival on October the 1st, and we had a wonderful time. Next up, we'll be worshiping with Holy Chapel CME Church on October the 15th at 3 p.m. for their anniversary service at Johnson Chapel CME Church. I'll be the speaker there as well. Uh, and you can also join us on November the 5th at Phillips Temple CME Church at 3 p.m. for their family and friends and anniversary service where I'll be uh, the guest speaker there. Uh, so if you're in the Houston area and you're able to join and fellowship with us at any of those or both of those days, you're certainly welcome. Also wanna remind you how you can support Redeem Chapel with your giving. Uh, you can give online via cash app. Uh, the cash tag is dollar sign redeemed CME, redeemed CME. And uh, if you are led by the Lord to give, you are certainly welcome to. And uh, within the next week or so, we'll have uh, some additional more broad online giving options. So stay tuned for that. If you're not keen on cash app, that's okay. We'll have some options available for you as well. Amen. Praise the Lord, Sister Claire Murray. Thank you for tuning in with us on YouTube and praise the Lord for uh, uh, others who are tuning in with us online, either on Facebook, on YouTube. And we look forward uh, to, to chatting with you along the way as we go through our study. We're going to continue our study uh, this evening on Paul and the prison epistles, and we're going to focus our attention on Ephesians as we have been. So we are in the book of Ephesians, uh, and we just finished Ephesians chapter four last week. Praise the Lord, First Lady LaRonda Burton. Good to see you on with us on Facebook. We finished Ephesians chapter four last week, and now we're going to uh, get started to kick off Ephesians chapter five. Uh, and so I'm excited about that. And we've got a lot of ground to cover tonight. So let's get ready to dig in to Paul and the prison officials as we start Ephesians chapter five.
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for giving us an opportunity to dive into your word tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for all of the insight that has been shared through your scriptures thus far. And we ask, Lord God, that you continue uh, to feed us and enlighten us through your scriptures tonight. Lord God, open our ears and minds, Father God, to uh, absorb the scriptures and absorb the study that we will dive in tonight, Lord God, that it will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord God, that we will continue to walk in your word, Father, keep it in keeping it hidden in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Father, we give you all glory, all honor, and all praise in Jesus' precious holy name. We say amen, amen, and amen. As we kick off Ephesians chapter 5, the key scripture that we're going to really highlight tonight is actually going to be in the first verse. And that first verse says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Amen. Uh, Praise the Lord, Sister Tanya Smith. Thank you for uh, tuning in with us as well. Good to see you on tuning in uh, via YouTube. So if we really start to think about Ephesians chapter five, one thing I want to remind everyone of when you're reading the scripture is that the original scriptures were not written in chapter and verse, right? Uh, the, the editors much, 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 much later uh, in order to organize the structure of the Bible added chapters and verses. But when you read them and being reminded that these are epistles by Paul, so these are letters, these are letters that Paul is writing to the individual churches. And so in considering that, we've got to remember that while we are starting a new chapter, it's not necessarily a new thought, right? Uh, Paul uh, may very well be continuing his existing thoughts when he continues into chapter five. And so what we've got to remember is where Paul left off in Ephesians chapter four. And where he left off is really around this theme of right living, right? And the latter part of chapter four, we learn that we need to stop living in darkness, right? Uh, uh, Paul tells us that we need to uh, stop living in our own way, which is the darkness of our mind, the darkness in our thinking, right? Uh, and and so in, in considering that and in, in talking about how Paul defines darkness in the various ways in which he defines darkness, uh, when he talks about uh, we need to stop stealing, we need to uh, stop using uh, uh, coarse language, right? We need to stop being greedy. All of these things are dark ways of thinking, right? And in, in thinking about this, now he begins to define what dark thinking looks like. And as we transition to chapter five, he's going to further define what good looks like by allowing the light of Christ to outshine the darkness that was in us. So what what Paul does in the latter part of chapter four is saying, this is darkness. We should no longer live in darkness. Why? Because the light of Christ shines in us. And with the light of Christ shining in us, it should expose and dissipate that darkness, right? And so we're going to now see some uh, further highlights of uh, the type of darkness that should be outshined by the light of Christ, right? So now the overall theme that we're going to dig into is this shift from darkness to light, the shift 
from darkness to light. And we're going to try to do that in the first 14 chapter, excuse me, first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter five. And we'll, we'll try to capture all of that in the time that we do have. Amen. Praise the Lord, Sister Deborah Smith. Good to see you tuning in with us tonight. God bless you. Uh, so the first thing we see in verse one is that we are to be imitators of God. Verse one says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. And, and so the thing that we highlight here as an illustration is how do our children imitate us, right? Uh, how do our children really try to be like us? They watch us. Have you ever, uh, sometimes we don't even realize how our children study us until they do something uh, that we do or, to, or until they try to say something that we say, right? And so Paul is using that same illustration is we need to imitate God the way our children imitate us. And what is it that our children do to imitate us, even without us always knowing it? They study us. They study how we walk. They study how we move. They study how we talk. They study the words that we say, right? Why? Because they look up to mom. They look up to dad. They may look up to big brother. And so they're studying the ones they admire so that they can imitate us, right? And so what is it that they're imitating? Sometimes we may see our children imitating something that a, a, a characteristic that we don't necessarily like, but they saw us do it. So they're going to imitate it. So the good things we want them to imitate, the bad things we want them to ignore, forget that, don't, don't do that, right? And, and, and so uh, the word imitate in the Greek uh, and I'm, I'm really coming from a combination of the New King James and the New Living Translation in the scriptures tonight. Uh, but the word imitate in the Greek is mimetes, where we get the word mimic or mimeos. We, we hear the words like mimeograph, the old school copying machines, right? It means to copy. It means to imitate. Uh, but it, more specifically, it means to mimic in a good sense, right? Mimic in a good way. In other words, we need to follow an example. We need to follow the example of Christ, follow the example of God. Praise the Lord, Sister uh, Rhonda Keith. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight on Facebook. And so the idea is that because we are God's children, we need to imitate him the same way our children imitate us. So how are we to imitate him? right? What is it that we are imitating? What example are we following? Well, verse two um, tells us very quickly that we need to uh, follow the example of love that Christ followed. In verse two, it says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma of God. So the example of love that we should follow is that of sacrificial love, a love that is pleasing to God and a love that is acceptable to God, right? So when we think about when we think about um how Christ loved us, he loved us in a self-sacrificial way. He gave himself up. He put his divine crown to the side exchanged it for a cross so that he could die for us, right? In other words, he prioritized us in exchange 
for his own reputation. That's why the Bible says, Paul says in Philippians, that he, he uh, considered it not robbery to be equal to God, and yet he gave himself up uh, for us, right? Uh, he he, he, he uh, relegated himself to be crucified on a tree, to be crucified on a cross, which was a demeaning sacrifice, so much so, so, much so that he could prioritize us. And so because Jesus' sacrificial act of love was considered a pleasing aroma to God, that aroma would emulate the smell of a burnt offering, Right when a when a sacrifice was sacrificed in a satisfactory way, it sent up an aroma of smoke, an aroma that was pleasing to God. We must follow that same example. Now, what we must think about and consider is that we may not likely be put in the position to die for someone else the way Christ died for us. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't even be qualified to die for anyone else the way Christ did. However, Sacrificial love is the idea that we are to prioritize others above ourselves. That's what it means to love our neighbor, right, as ourselves. Uh, in, in other words, when we love someone the way we love ourselves, we prioritize them. It, 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 it takes on this idea of selflessness. Amen. Opposite of the Greek culture. Remember, last week we talked about this is Paul is really challenging the Greek norm because his audience, his primary audience, audience here are, uh, are, are Greeks, are Gentiles, are non-Jews, and their whole norm was selfishness. And Paul is telling them to shift from selfishness to selflessness and not to consider themselves, but to consider others in an effort to live a life of unity. Greek culture was all about self, fulfilling self, fulfilling, excuse me, fulfilling selfish needs, fulfilling selfish desires, right? And Paul was saying that is not the Christ that we learned. The Christ that we learned was selfless. And think about what he did. He died for you. So in the same way, in order to garner unity in the church and unity among our fellow man, we must uh, 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 consider others greater than ourselves. And that is the example of Christ that we must follow, that of sacrificial love. That is a love that is acceptable to God, that is selfless and considers others above ourselves. Amen. And so now he he uh he he now makes this transition to further define what we ought not to be like, right? So what I want to highlight though is is one of the sections in what others say in our book and this comes from uh Nancy Lee DeMoss. Nancy Lee DeMoss says the call to holiness is a call to follow Christ. A pursuit of holiness that is not Christ-centered will soon be reduced to moralism, pharisaical self-righteousness, and futile self-effort. Such pseudo-holiness leads to bondage rather than liberty. It is, an it is unattractive to the world and unacceptable to God. Only by fixing our eyes and our hope on Christ can we experience that authentic, warm, inviting holiness that he alone can produce in us. This idea 
of holiness kind of gets a bad rap, right? Because when we think of holiness, we think of a holiness denomination. And when we think of a holiness denomination, sometimes we think about it in terms of strict rules, uh, how we dress, how we uh, how we uh, behave, right? And, and, and what really what holiness is, in order to achieve an outward holy behavior, it really comes on and comes from an inward holy focus, right? And so it's really imitating Christ. And when we focus on the inward relationship we have with Christ, it will produce the good fruit in our outward behavior. But when we purely focus on the outward and not on the inward, it turns into legalism. So holiness is still right and holy living is still right, but achieving that on a consistent basis comes from an inward relationship, not an outward focus, not a self-centered focus, but a Christ-centered focus. And that's really what um, Nancy Lee DeMoss is trying to emphasize here. And so when we shift to the things that Paul highlights here, he's starting to highlight this, not in an effort to say, uh, do this, do this, these are the rules that you must follow, but these are the things that are not what Christ produces, right? Uh, uh, the light of Christ doesn't produce these things. So let's dig into what he says um, in verse three. Verse three says, therefore, let there be no sexual immorality impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God, right? And so let's kind of break down some of the things that Paul is saying here. Uh, as more examples of darkness, right? First of all, he's talking about uh, dark actions, sexual immorality, impurity, greed. When we think about sexual immorality, we've got to sometimes, especially we uh, as Christians, sometimes we try to look at very narrowly right? Uh, sexual sins, if you're very, very promiscuous, right? That's sexual immorality. Uh, 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 homosexuality is sexually immoral. But we've got to make sure that we understand that sexual immorality is very broad. Uh, in the Greek word porneia, uh, we're talking about all kinds of sexual sin. So if we're going to talk about that, we've got to talk about adultery right? Even uh, we, we can say, oh, you know, the homosexuality and all that. But uh, guess what? Uh, we need to keep uh, adultery at that same level. We need to keep promiscuity at that same level. We need to keep pornography at that same level. We need to keep uh, premarital uh, 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 sex at that same level. So when we talk about uh, the broad lens of sexual immorality, we don't narrow it to the things that we don't like. We need to broaden it to all the things that God doesn't like, right? So sexual immorality, impurity, another word for that is uncleanness. It means moral uncleanness. It means a uh, lewdness of character, right? So it's not just the things that 
you do outwardly, but the mindset that you carry inwardly, right? So, oh, I don't do all of those things, but I sure am thinking them, right? You you can, you can might not do gutter things, but you might have a gutter mindset, right? If we're going to use some uh, uh, common uh, language. And so uncleanness, not just in the way you act, but in your character, you don't want to carry that with you. And then greed. Remember, uh, Paul is telling the, the Gentiles, the Greek audience, to shift from their normal way of living and thinking to this new way of living and thinking. And sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, this is how they live. This was their culture. This was their norm. This was how it was for them. So they didn't consider these things bad. Praise the Lord. Uh, Lady Gail Page tuning in with us tonight. Good to see you on. And so uh, the, the, the Greek culture didn't consider these things as uh, bad and did them anyway. They considered them normal. So sexual immorality, uncleanness, greed, greed connected with extortioners, thieves, plans of fraud, a desire to have more. It, what, is, what does this have in common when we talk about uh, uh, the example of Christ? All of these things have in common are selfish desires, fulfilling selfish desires. But if we're going to be imitators of Christ, we've got to shift from selfishness to selflessness and not worry about fulfilling selfish desires, but uh, 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 elevating others above ourselves, right? So sexual immorality, uncleanness, greed. What else does he say? Uh, obscene stories, right? Obscene stories, impropriety, improper words, thoughts, or intents, shameful conversation, right? How many times have we been caught up in a conversation that just went a little too far? It, it pushed the envelope a little too far. We, 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 we told a joke that was a little too over the edge, right? Uh, because we got caught up in the dialogue, caught up in the conversation. Paul says this kind of conversation uh, is not the type of conversation that is uh, 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 what is good for a, a Christian, right? Foolish talking, silly talk, buffoonery, dull, senseless, lacking understanding. This is what foolish talking means. In other words, what good is your conversation contributing to the, your audience, right? Are you talking nonsense, right? Uh, does your conversation produce good fruit? And if it doesn't, why are you saying it? Why are you talking, right? Uh, uh, coarse jokes, coarse jokes, uh, uh, dirty jokes, right? These are things that were normal for the Greeks, right? Because if they're sexually immoral living, if they have impure living, and if they have greedy living, then they're going to have obscene talking, foolish talking, and coarse talking. If you're living it, then you're talking about it. Amen? I'm going to say that again. If you're living it, then you're talking about it. So if you're living in darkness, then you're talking and speaking in darkness. And what Paul is saying here is this type of mindset and this type of lifestyle is not fitting for a Christian. It's not fitting for a Christian. So we've got to even uh, reflect in our own selves uh, of how we are engaging in our lifestyle and in our dialogue. Amen. And so what does Paul go on to say here? He goes on to say that in verse Five, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person 
will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of the world. And so what we've got to remember is that uh, those who are continuing to live in this way, to carry themselves with this type of character is not going to have admission into the kingdom of God. Verse six says this, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So there are two things I wanna highlight Paul saying here. Paul saying here, don't be fooled and don't befriend. Don't be fooled and don't be friend. Don't be fooled by those who try to justify darkness, who try to lighten it, to, to try to make it not all that bad. It's no big deal, right? We're living in 2023. We're not living in uh, the, the Bible times anymore. Things have progressed. It's, it's no big deal now. Everybody's doing it. Don't allow yourself to be fooled by those who try to soften the blow of what morality is. And don't be friend those who do. Don't befriend those who, who not only live that lifestyle, uh, whatever it is, but try to convince you that it's okay. The Bible is clear, right? So don't be fooled and don't befriend. Why? Because these are uh, examples of darkness. Paul says, don't do that. You were once full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces what is good and right and true. What is good and right and true. Amen, uh, uh, Lady Bird. That's what we hear a lot of too. Uh, when when folks uh, try to justify their living, well, the Lord's Lord knows my heart. Uh, God's still working on me. Uh, I'm a work in progress, right? A anything to justify what they're doing uh, without recognizing the fact that they're still living in darkness. But we don't know Christ that way anymore. We know Christ as the light that lives in us. And Paul goes on to talk about what light produces. We, we, we've just gone through the latter part of chapter four and the early parts of chapter five, what darkness produces. But what does light produced? Light produces, Paul says, everything that is good and right and true. Goodness means goodness in character, goodness in qualities, goodness, uh, goodness, good qualities such as gentleness and kindness. Remember, these are internal characteristics, right? These are internal characteristics. When we talk about holiness, we've got to look at the internal first before we jump into the external behavior. Goodness is an inward character. It is an inward quality. Gentleness and kindness, these are inward qualities. And that produces righteousness, rightness. It's derived from the Greek word dike. The, the, the Greek word righteousness is dikiosune, which is derived from dike. DK is the declaration of righteousness. It is how God declares us righteous by the fact that we have received him as our savior through recognizing and confessing him as Lord over our lives and receiving him. So he declares us righteous through that Greek word DK. But DK is the fulfillment of the claim. 
right? So if DK is the declaration of righteousness that God makes over us through Christ, Dikiosunye is us making good on that claim. God declared us righteous before we were righteous and our lifestyle makes good on the claim. Amen. In other words, when God tells, uh, when the Bible says that uh, um, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed God. God declared him righteous. But by following God's command to sacrifice Isaac, he made good on the declaration of righteousness. Faith is 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 the faith without works is dead. And James uses that same example of Abraham. He was declared his faith was received as righteousness, but he made good on it through his obedience. DK is the declaration. Dikiosunye is the fulfillment. And the light of Christ produces that. And it produces all that is true. Purity from all falsehood. The truth of the gospel. Sincerity. Integrity. These are the characteristics that light produces in the Christian. Now, I want to give an example of this because we should be concentrating on the light of Christ that is in us. What we tend to do as Christians is now that we've got all this light, we want to make sure that we point out everybody else's darkness, right? Now, listen, we've got to call sin, sin, and we've got to be uh, 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 share the truth in love that we've already talked about. But sometimes we call out darkness for the sake of calling out darkness without finding any way to uh, share an alternative and draw others to Christ. I get on, uh, you know, TikTok and social media, and, and sometimes I see these Christians get on, and the first thing they do is point out all the errors of this preacher, of what they did. Oh, this preacher was caught in adultery, and this preacher did this, did that. And that's that's what they want to talk about is uh, uh, exposing the scandal. But this is what we've got to understand. We don't have to talk about or concentrate on darkness in that way. If we prioritize what pleases the Lord, light will expose darkness. Our light will expose darkness. This is what uh, verse 10 says. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. But listen to what it says in verse 12. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. And so we can, we we may talk among ourselves, look at what so-and-so is doing, look at what so-and-so is doing. Oh, that's so terrible what so-and-so is doing. But Paul says, you don't even need to talk about that. If we concentrate on the light that is in us, if we focus on living out the light in the, in the, in the, in the characteristics that it produces, our light will expose the darkness. I'm going to give you an example here. I'm going to turn my ring lights off, right? And now it looks pretty dark in here right? Except for the computer screen, it looks pretty dark. Now, I can either choose to focus on the darkness or I can live in the light. And the more light that I shine through my own living, through my own goodness, through my own righteousness, and through my own truth, I will continue to separate myself from the darkness just through my own living. And, and the more that I shine a light, the more darkness will be dissipated as long as I live 
in the light. As long as I prioritize what pleases God, as long as I do that, the, the darkness will be exposed all by itself. So if we prioritize what pleases God, people will be able to tell the difference between darkness and light. They'll be able to tell why you look different from the world. You don't have to keep pointing outwardly. The light that is in you do that and the darkness will take care of itself. So uh, uh, whole, that's what holiness is. Holiness is separation. Hagiosmos, hagios means separated, set apart. It is being uh, distinctively set apart so that when people see us, they see our lifestyle and demeanor as diametrically opposed to the world. We don't have to actively shine the light on it. The light that is in us through our lifestyle, through our following Christ's example, through our love will take care of it. And then people will try to find out what is it about you? that makes you live? What is the reason for your hope? And then we can take that opportunity to evangelize and draw others to Christ. Amen. So let's prioritize the light. Let's concentrate on what pleases God. Live that out and let that what produces, what is produced from that light will expose the darkness. Amen. Let's, let's go through our PowerPoints for tonight. PowerPoint number one. Imitate God's love. Imitate God's love. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 urges us as Christians to walk in love, mirroring God's love for us. This divine love was exemplified in Jesus Christ, offering himself as a fragrant offering and sacrifice for humanity. As children imitate their parents, believers are encouraged to imitate God's sacrificial love. Secondly, we must reject immorality and greed. Verses three through five warn against immorality, impurity, greed, and inappropriate talk, stating that these behaviors are not fitting for God's holy people. Instead, thanksgiving should abound. Those who persist in such behaviors will not inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. And finally, verse three says, live as children of light live, excuse me, live as children of light. Verses six through 13, Paul urges believers not to be deceived by empty words that justify sinful behaviors. For God's wrath comes upon those who are disobedient. We as believers are called to live as children of light. For the fruit of the light, the product of the light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord Figure out, find out, prioritize what is pleasing to the Lord. And we should not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but through our light, through our living, expose it. Amen. I hope that these first 13 verses of Ephesians uh, chapter uh, five have been helpful. Uh, and I'll close with verse 14. It says, for the light makes everything visible. The light makes everything visible. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. Amen. I pray that you've enjoyed the Bible study tonight. And I hope uh, that you can join us again next time. Uh, Lady Burton and I will be traveling. So there will not be PowerPoint Tuesday next week. But keep reading, keep studying because you don't want to miss it. We're going to pick up on verse 14 next week. Uh, and hope, hopefully you can join us this Sunday at Redeem Chapel for our Sunday worship service. Until then, I love you. God loves you. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Until next time, have a blessed evening.